What's going on, beautiful people? Welcome to the 817 Podcast, where we talk about daily, weekly trends, insights, topics of the great city of Fort Worth. Jimmy, what's up, man? Not much. We're uh, we're sorry we missed everybody last week. Yeah, that's Sometimes just like travel schedules get, uh, you know... That or like Texas freezes, the whole country freezes, and planes are grounded. So three canceled flights. I couldn't get here. God. I couldn't get here. You didn't want to drive through the snow from Philadelphia all the way back here. What, what's crazy is Dallas, uh, DC was like fifty five, and then I so I ended up going to Philadelphia because you know to, since I was stuck there, I was like, oh, let me go hang out with my grandma. Uh, which is a bad reason to go see your grandma. You see her not because I'm stuck. <laughs> stuck there. Um, but yeah, no. So it was actually pretty beautiful there. But I did take a Amtrak from 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 DC to Philly. It was nice. I was like, man, the Union stations on both sides were super dope. I'm like, man, this is cool. And I was just like, man, we do not live in a city. If anything that DC and Philadelphia taught me is Fort Worth is just one big suburb. Mm-hmm. It just I was like, man, this is what it feels like. I saw one conversation on Twitter, I guess this was a couple weeks ago now, how if Milwaukee were the same land area size as Fort Worth, um, if it covered the same area, it would be 1.2 million people. Wow. So, like, we're, you know, actually just a bloated Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, You got early voting coming, and you got to tell Fort Worthians, hey, this is where Parker and Denton County uh, voting is because you can't vote for Terrence. Yeah. That's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make the wrong turn. Make sure you go to the right one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a, a lot to cover over the last couple of weeks. Um, we're going to start with this uh, conversation about Farrington Field. Um, the city of Fort Worth and Fort Worth ISD in cooperation with the Urban Land Institute's Dallas Fort Worth District Council are sponsoring a panel of 11 real estate experts who will visit Fort Worth on February 15th to 17th to assess opportunities for redevelopment of the Farrington Field site. So basically, Farrington Field is owned by Fort Worth ISD. It sits on uh, land downtown right across from uh, Will Rogers and uh, it last year was added to the National Historic uh, Building Registry um, so it is protected in a lot of ways but the uh, interesting piece of this story to me is that we're trying to figure out how to develop um some like mixed use area include that includes Farrington Field um, that can't really be like touched or manipulated or I mean it can but it can't be destroyed so it has to stay there um, but at the same time Fort Worth just put out a survey about building this exact same type of thing in Keller, which is the soccer stadium story that we have talked about a couple times over the last few months. I just kind of, both of these things came across my eye in the same week, and it was like, can we really not put two and two together and be like, oh, we have this soccer stadium that we want to create a mixed-use development area on, and we have this other soccer stadium we want to build 
why don't we make this an accessible thing that the people of Fort Worth can actually enjoy and have easy access to instead of going and sticking it up on basswood, which is already like impossible to get to without adding a huge soccer complex to it. Man, it is in a such the way that area in West Seventh has developed of too. I just imagine if it does if, if it did became a soccer complex, it's kinda hard I mean, it's hard to park, it's hard to get out of. Um, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do it, but I'm just like, man, with nothing going on in Farrington, it's already stressful in that corner. If it became like a regular used place for like kids and families, um, I I wonder, you know, how we manage the parking there as well. I feel like that's going to have to be a conversation um, if it becomes like a regularly used spot. And did you mention that this is on February, the 2.30 p.m. Thursday, February 17th? Yeah, so the public meeting where the panel will present their findings and recommendations is Thursday, February 17th at 7.30 p.m. at the Fort Worth Botanic Garden Center. Um, They'll provide the city and Fort Worth ISD with a draft report on the workshop results within 90 days thereafter. Both the city and Fort Worth ISD are contributing $25,000 to cover the panel's costs. It's like we're putting $50,000 into this panel that is giving us recommendations that we're already trying to create elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just, I like, I don't know why Fort Worth continues to not want to take care of its yeah. like old things like this and LaGrave uh, mm-hmm. field are just honestly, like it's irresponsible to have let those turn yep. into what they, what they are. And Farrington is still beautiful. Yeah, it's nice. Like it is not as far gone as LaGrave is at all. Um, but I, it's just so crazy that we're trying to continue to add more and more in already stressed out areas instead of taking what we have and turning it into something that works for our current needs. What's the current landscape as a non-soccer fan or goer? What's what's kind of the current community talking about when it comes to using these resources, um, either at Farrington or Keller around soccer? Yeah. So the um, if you take the the survey, you'll get a little bit of insight into the potential, and this would include both a USL men's team which is like the second division of u.s soccer um so layman's terms it's a minor league soccer team um as well as a usl women's team which their league is set to launch in 2023 um which is also would be like the second level of women's soccer i don't know that shelling out for a, a you know massive new complex in North Fort Worth is worthwhile for like taxpayers to invest in um but like downtown I think you could be swayed a little bit more like when I go to Vaqueros games especially when they used to be played at uh Farrington so like pre-pandemic um like I would say 70 percent of the crowd was latino and like they were solid crowds like i I would say 
you know, up to a few thousand people at some matches. Yeah. Um, so like taking this away from the communities that are like most interested in soccer and are actively going to lower division soccer matches just seems a little bit crazy. Um, so I, I think it will be beneficial to Fort Worth to continue to have like professional sports to, for the city to get behind and to really push after. Um, but I think that that only works if it is accessible and easy enough to get to. Um, and the example will always go of FC Dallas in Frisco mm-hmm. has the worst attendance of any MLS team. Um, whereas when you look around the country and the new expansion franchises that are going in the hearts of cities, mm-hmm. they're thriving. And so I think Fort Worth can be a soccer town, um, but it's not going to be if everyone's having to try and get up north of 820. Yeah to get there yeah yeah well welcome to the 817 podcast beautiful people um what we do is three short stories and then one big story we got a lot of good stuff today um any of these next stories could have been the big story in my opinion but they all kind of go together we're going to go ahead and move into the panther city um island funding kind of update so the fort worth report posted an article uh this week um discussing how we might be able to fund the additional hundreds of millions of dollars that we need for Panther City um, in the next two years. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers received $403 million for the Central City Floor Project. But what we, need, what, what we also needed was to have additional funding that now looks to be able to, ha- be, able to be collected through the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, uh, which would cover the rest of the money. Um, what I'm also seeing here in the story, though, that I think is exciting is just the more of communication and the uh, proactiveness from the District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers uh, in Fort Worth. So um, they're talking about a design-build strategy, which this is something that we you kind of talked about. It's like, why haven't we designed anything up until this point? Um, but it looks like to expedite also the process, looking to have design and build strategy uh, which is basically assigning one firm to do both parts um, allows it to kind of expedite it. But then also, you know, the, the accountability is maybe not there if you had two part, two different people doing it. Uh, this could be big because it's federal money, money again, where you're talking about Panther City, you know, Panther Island being built uh, with a lot of federal funds. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Uh, Lon Burnham, member of the Tarrant Regional Water District, um, has concerns about lack of transparency in a design build approach. And like, if you're part of the Tarrant regional water district, you don't have any say on lack of transparency. Like your, your opinion on something related to that has kind of been void over the past 15, 20 years of this project. Um, But it's, I mean, we came on, fairly pessimistic about they said like oh six year timeline like is that really going to be 10 um but it seems like they are hitting the ground running really quickly 
trying to get this done and trying to move at a faster pace than maybe even we were ready or equipped for. And that is a, a big thumbs up. Like, that's a very good thing that this would get done and not continue to linger. And anybody trying to get in the way of that needs to get out of the way. Yeah. Like, it's time to let the let the big dogs eat. Like, <laughs> yeah. let's, let, let's let these people come in and do what they know how to do and help lift them up and support them along the way however we can. Yep, yep. Um, well, yeah, I guess that's that. I mean, looking at it, I mean, the 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 key here, though, we could not be the ones who win that the the be priority for the for the funding, uh, simply because it's based off of priority and what's most important. But experts or people locally are just kind of saying how economic impact makes it more competitive to get approved for infrastructure for the infrastructure bill funding. Um, so. They talk about Fort Worth poverty rate is above the national average, so there should be a prioritization under this direction. But we'll see. I mean, that's another thing. It doesn't necessarily mean um, we would get supported and how well us Texans support the federal spending. <laughs> I don't know why we would be prioritized, but we will see. Yeah, and another part of it is they want to get the current $403 million allocated quickly to show that they're moving and are ready mm. for more funds. So like if we really hit the ground running, we show that we're ready to take on more and that, you know, potentially could also bump us up in priority to getting the extra funding. Um, but all in all, like a, a really positive, um, update i guess over where panther island is at just knowing that it's moving faster than we probably could have expected yeah you want to go ahead and move into the bond story yeah so this week at city council um they made it official on a number of uh things that will be on a may 7th ballot um so like write down tell your friends that I know we're voting in a primary starting now, but there's another election coming May 7th that is going to have a, a major um, impact. And uh, the first piece of that is uh, voting on pay raises for city council and mayor, which we'll talk about. But also we will be voting on another $560 million bond Um and the way that this breaks down, I think this will be similar to the Fort Worth ISD bond where there's like four different pieces that we're voting on. At least I hope it is that way. Um, because $370 million of that would go to improving roads. And you're probably like, wait a second, didn't we just vote on a $600 million transportation bond to go towards building and fixing more roads? The answer is yes. <laughs> and somehow they're like, we need $370 million more. Um, the, you know, there's always money around for roads and cops, but not for anything else that you really want done. Um, the second largest pot, which is $124 million, would go to improvements to the city parks and recreation amenities, which includes a brand new aquatic center in Stop 6 and a completely rebuilt Forest Park Pool. Forest Park Pool was part of a pretty big debate um, where they were talking about defunding it um, within a couple 
the last couple of months and citizens showed up, had their voices heard. Now we're looking at getting a completely rebuilt pool there. Um, Funds from Prop C would go towards improving library facilities, including land acquisition for a brand new library in far northwest Fort Worth. And funds from Prop D would go to improving police and fire facilities. So a lot in there that we'll talk about before we get to uh, mayor and council pay raises. You see that, you see that pr- proposition E? Look at land acquisition and oh, open that's right. space new parks. A slideshow presented at Tuesday's city council meeting showed most of this land would be in East Fort Worth, which highlights for areas around Tandy Hills and Oakland Lake. Big time. Come on now. So there's a lot in there for parks and pools that I think is really great and goes in conjunction with uh, January 31st article in the Star-Telegram about how Fort Worth ranks 89th in the country when it comes to accessibility to playgrounds. Um, Like, there are very few people in the city that are a reasonable walking distance to a playground for their kids. And that's something that needs to change and be fixed. Um, And that's something even as we were, you know, trying to figure out what we wanted to do Friday night or um, Saturday. And it's like, man, if the near South side, if Magnolia had a green space that you could actually go that had a playground on it, not just like the little, you know, dinky Friday on the green patch of grass, <laughs> like you grab something to eat, you go hang out over there while your kid plays on the playground. Like that's something that's really missing in Fort Worth's development is easy access to parks that are all over the place yeah um and so i thought it was really interesting that those two things came in conjunction um yeah what are what thoughts did you have on the the bonds well we're going to get into the pay um but to me the other big thing is just to note you want to talk about making a difference in your city voting on bond elections matter only eighteen thousand people voted in the 2018 bond election which is about 2% of the city's population. Right. So, um, and that'll be really important when we also come talk about um, council members' pay. To me... Which we can move into, it looks like, right? We're, like, kind of there. Yeah. To me, like, I think it's kind of crazy that we're... that there is no conversation about public transit incorporated into this. There had been... And then when they proposed the bonds, it was all of a sudden gone. But we're going to put an almost, uh, you know, $400 million into roads again. The the concrete business seems yeah. like the business to be in. The park, um, the park money is really exciting to me. Like, that's something that Fort Worth has long needed to invest in. Um, the aquatic centers, also really exciting improving library facilities and a brand new library is awesome. Like having the children's library over here has been a massive benefit to the city and especially this neighborhood. Um, Prop D like, why do we need to spend more money on cops? We already give them like basically all of our money. Um, Yeah. And then prop E another prop or another um, thing related to, Parks and empty space, which is very important in growing cities. 
Yeah, that East uh, t- uh, East Fort Worth. I mean, what? There's a good like seven to fourteen acres around Tandy. I mean, if they could allocate, you know, buy some of that land, and I mean, it's already also kind of hilly. Yeah, and it's right off the highway. You could get a great view of of the city. There could be a lot of cool, creative ways to extend Tandy. Yeah, I sure. think so. And Tan- like Tandy doesn't have anywhere to park, which is yeah. nice for us in the neighborhood because it kind of keeps it in our niche. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't really make it accessible for anybody yeah. else trying to See come in. Yeah. Like, you know, once there's more than 10 cars over there, like it feels really full. Yeah. Um, even though there's a ton of space to explore. Yeah. So pay, you know, Hey, we were, you know, I think we're advocating for pay, but based off this story in Fort Worth, uh, star telegram, it seems like some people don't believe that this could get through and not everyone's positive about city council or mayor pay being increased. Um, looking at this from February 9th by Harrison, um, Fort Worth city council members want you to increase their pay by more than 200%. This is being expedited to also May 7th ballot. And what you're looking at is they're looking to increase the mayor pay to $99,653. And to pay for council members would be $76,727, which is up from $25,000. The increase will cost taxpayers $484,000. And uh, the new pay wouldn't kick in until October 1st, 2022. Dallas mayor gets $80,000 annually, and their city council is $60,000 annually. Jimmy, we we are pro, uh, San Antonio by the way as well sixty one thousand, and their council is forty five forty six thousand dollars. I would like I I have plenty of thoughts about this story, um, but one question I was trying to like think about is if you ask the average non voter in Fort Worth, which is pretty easy it's 98 percent of the population (laughs) so just go pick out anybody on the street what they thought the pay of mayor or city councilor was what do you think they would say i don't know that's a good question i think they would say six figures yeah you think so i mean i think that there is a an aura around i I think i think i think i don't know i think people would say like fifty thousand dollars like, I don't know. I think money, the, the, the older I get, I realize how little people understand money. Yeah. Especially, like, well, I always ask high school kids, like, how much do you think you need to be the average American, uh, you know, household family? And they're like, $20,000. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, man, you're about to graduate. Yeah. You have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, like, I think you would get somewhere, I think the yeah. lowest you would get is $50,000. Yeah. Especially for mayor. Um, I think the, and that, that strikes me as interesting, um, because I think Fort Worth doesn't want to pay their people, or at least the people that are going to show up don't want to pay our city councilors and mayor, um, which is a reflection of how they treat Fort Worth. And that is as kind of a, you know, like we can act like we really care about it and really love it, but we're not investing in it and we're not investing in the people that are trying to invest themselves in it. Um, 
And so I think it is interesting. I I like the criteria that they use for indexing this pay against um, the salaries of management in the city. Like, I think that's a very fair way to do it. Um, I would probably contend that especially the Dallas and San Antonio councils are also underpaid. Um, but I also think it's interesting that they're kind of swinging for the fences in this. Like they yeah. could have just gone towards matching Dallas and maybe had a better shot. Um, but if we know the dynamic of people that show up for local elections like this, they're older, much more conservative and I think that this probably would have been better served waiting towards a November more bipartisan ballot um, because, I, in my opinion, this is kind of dead in the water right now. Like, I, I don't care how much um, campaigning and educating city council tries to do about this before the election – I think they're talking to a group of people that aren't going to change their minds on this. Yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, yeah, you got me spinning. The last time voters approved the raise for council members was in 2006 when pay increase went from 3900 annually to the current <laughs> salary of $25,000. Jeez. I mean, that's and, crazy. That's that's making what a kid work at Sonic in high school was making it in 06, you know, just working part time. Yeah, it's also funny that that's around the same time that the federal minimum wage was last touched. Yeah. Um, but <sighs> I think we need, like, we need to, we need to pay the people that are trying to invest themselves in the city. Like, these people spend, I would guess, 80 hours a week being city councilors. Yeah. Um, and they get, like, one person kind of on staff to to help them like when we're talking our federal uh representatives like they're getting paid high or 180 grand they have a staff of like 12 to 14 people and they barely impact our lives in a practical way like these people have a lot of power over what happens in the city and we just kind of throw them scraps and say, figure it out. In, two th in 2016, they said no to $45,000 for the council and $60,000 for a mayor. What has changed in six years? Said Sal Espino, our guy. Yeah, I... This Kelly, means Kelly and Gray said, what are your thoughts there about people might be open more to pay raises if you also added term limits um, because then you don't have people turning... I guess being a public servant into, I guess the take is to a career. I just don't see those two things as related at all. Like if you're doing it, I think that this even more incentivizes that you have to get in and do a good job or you're going to be voted out because people hold the position in higher esteem now that you're getting paid an actual like livable salary to do the job that you're doing. Um, I thought, yeah, I I saw those as non sequitur, yeah. non related, um, and I I don't think that like I with elections every two years, I think that we have pretty um, firm term limits on if you're not serving your people, you're going to get voted out. Yeah. 
I wonder. I wonder what's going to happen. I mean, it sounds like no one's no one's excited about this actually happening. It's like, but I'm the, so we're so young and progressive in our little bubble over here on the eight one seven podcast. I'm like, who's going to say? Why, why would you say no to this? But, but this is classic boomers ruining millennials' lives. <laughs> I guess you got a bunch of old people, and then now that you know, now the city council's young. You know, it's like no, they can't use our dollars. Yeah, that we inflated the economy on, so they can't live. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I. This is this is one of those things that like Fort Worth just kind of shows where its roots are um, when it comes to this, and it's reflective of Texas. Texas only pays our state representatives like seventy five hundred dollars a year, yeah, um, which is ludicrous, yeah. And uh, Fort Worth continues to live in that small town vein and hasn't taken the step up to the big leagues, um, so I. I think that this is a it's a slam dunk that it needs to happen, but I feel in my opinion it seems like it's dead in the water already. I would love to be wrong. I would love for this to pass. Um but I I don't think that we need to can we should not continue to set ourselves up where only the elites with disposable income and passive significant passive income and are able to spend all their time actively on city council are the ones that yeah right run. like like if you think about it like if you look at the republican candidates they seem to be like they'll be all right if this doesn't go up right firestone he's like i'm good right right you know um moon got his businesses i'm good right um but nettles Jared Williams, you know, this could be life-changing. Their commitment to our city could be life-changing depending on this vote. Yeah. So there's a lot that's going to be coming on May 7th. Let's make it 3% that turn out. You know, if it's 3% instead of 2% that turn out, that's another 9,000 people that could easily sway the, the way that this vote goes. Like, the power is in our hands to do something we just have to get our friends out to to vote. And it is weird for, like, city council. Like, there's so much to be talking about. The last thing they're going to be walking around the city educating people on is like, hey, you should give me a raise. Yeah. Hey, yeah, make sure I'm you go looking, out and vote before I, could, before I get a 200% raise. A 400% <laughs> raise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's go ahead and move into, uh, you know, right? I guess if you're listening to this on Monday, today is early voting. So this is the big story. Um, we would just want to kind of break down and do kind of what we usually do around election time. So early voting is kicking off. You know, you can take your loved ones. It's Valentine's. Yeah. And, you know, hit the polls before going to dinner or getting ice cream or whatever you guys do these days. Um, But, yeah, what do you want to kind of break down? Uh, Let the people know. Um, Yeah, so there's a lot on the ballot, a lot of primary. It's all primaries. Um, the first thing I, I want to point out is that Texas is an open election state, which means that you can vote in either the Republican or the Democratic primary, regardless of what party you're registered for. And I think that's a, an important distinction when I not to be like super pessimistic, but for statewide elections like 
Republicans are probably going to carry things. So if you would rather have a say in what is happening statewide, even if you're registered as a Democrat, it might be wise to, you know, throw your voice into the ring for and voting in the Republican primary. Um, Obviously, that choice is totally up to you. Um, And then by doing so, though, you have to this election have to vote all Republican this time around. Like you can't in the primary. Right. Right. You have to. You you would only Republican all the way down. Right. You would only vote on the Republican um, primary ballots or you would only vote on the Democratic primary ballots. And then but then when. The next when it's now Democrats versus Republicans, you can switch. Right. Well, in that in like a bipartisan election like that, you're voting for both regardless. Yeah. So so it it only it only affects the the primary. So you can walk up regardless of party. If you're a Republican, you can walk up, say, I want to vote in the Democratic primary. Like if there's a Democrat you really you really hate that someone's running up against, you can walk up and say, like, hey, I want to vote in the Democratic primary and vice versa. If you're a Democrat and there's some Republicans you really hate, you can vote for the people trying to knock them out of uh, their incumbency spot. I feel like that, you know, because there's a lot of Republicans on this list that I'm like, oh, we got to make sure that person doesn't win. Like incumbents, like Beth Van Dyne, you like, I mean, they're not like. Do we vote? We don't vote for her in our area. Do we? Yeah, yeah. Is she all the way over here now? Well, oh, I don't know if that's. Yeah, I don't think she's all the way to ours. Yeah, um, but like you know, there's a lot of people on here. It's like, man, so I would rather take this person over the crazy person, you know. But then yeah. I still would want to then vote. But then you could vote for the other party in the normal Got election. It. Um, so, yes. so it almost would make sense for all of us to vote Republican. I mean, it does. It does make sense in to me in a lot of cases in Texas to, or really in any state that has open elections like this to vote in the dominant party's primary because then you have more of a voice in who's most likely getting elected. Yeah. Um, but we've got a a ton of house seat U.S. House seats: District Six, District Twelve, District Twenty Four, Twenty Five, Twenty Six, Thirty, and Thirty Three. Um, in in five of those districts, there is a Republican runoff, and in two of those districts there's a democratic runoff um so plenty either way whichever side you're whichever uh ballot you're voting on you've got a number of things to to vote for there um texas state senate we've got one two three four five um different elections only two of them are really contested though um, if if you're voting on the Republican ballot, District 10 and District 12, you would actually be voting. And in the Democrat ballot, only District 12 has um, a, a runoff for the nomination. The Texas House, there 
are 11 uh, seats that are being voted on, um, with a number of them being contested, including Careless Carey running in District 93 uh, against a, a couple of others, other Republicans. Um, Texas State Board of Education, which is obviously a, a very important um, spot right now as, you know, Texas tries to censor everything that can be taught to students. Uh, District 11 and District 13. In District 11, either ballot, you are voting um, in a runoff. In District 13, only the Republican side has a runoff. Um, the Court of Appeals has one position that we're voting for, um, but both there's only one candidate, um, so there's not necessarily anything on this ballot you'd be voting for. And the, now the Tarrant County stuff, Tarrant County Judge uh, that Glenn Whitley is stepping down from. Are we going to have another Deborah Peoples Betsy Price showdown? Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. There's five Republicans and two Democrats. So either way, you're voting for somebody in the primary. Terry, Tarrant County District Attorney also has a runoff on both sides. Tarrant County Commissioner's Court. Um, there's two two seats up for grabs and um in precinct 2 there's a democratic runoff in precinct 4 there's a republican runoff Tarrant County District Clerk has a republican runoff Tarrant County Clerk doesn't have um any anything that anybody else to to vote for um civil district courts Three positions, but none of them have a, a runoff. County courts at law, uh, there's a few positions up for grabs. None of them are contested. County criminal courts, um, only one of them is contested, even though there's there's 10 up for grabs. Actually, sorry, two. Uh, criminal district courts, family courts, juvenile court, probate courts, justice of the peace, Tarrant County constable. There's a ton of stuff. <laughs> On here, yeah, I was wondering if we um, can eventually find a list as we get more into it, where it shows kind of their political voting. Um, if they're more conservative, more con- centered, stuff like that, I think that would be helpful. Especially if you got people like me who's now going to go go vote on the Republican side. You know, I'm I don't know the difference from some of these people at this moment. Um, so it seems like a lot of work. Yeah, but also there- what I, what I thought about what, while looking at this. I wonder how many of these people now, if, if, if city, if Fort Worth city raises like that, you know, where city council is making 10 X, mm. you know, a house rep, would some of these people now move into competing in Fort Worth? Uh, like Ramon Romero, who I think is like a classic Fort Worthy and, you know, Nicole yeah, Collier, you know, it's interesting. And, uh, I think you know, a year ago or whatever, when we were talking to uh, Dr. Ferris, um, she kind of contended, like, I don't know if a state position is necessarily a higher position than a city position is. Um, so, yeah, like Carrie Moon obviously sees the city council as a stepping stone to state and then potentially beyond that. Um, but 
yeah, if you could go from making $7,500 at the state level to significantly more than that at the city level, like I think you could still parlay city experience into national experience if that's what you're trying to do. Um, So that is an interesting thought of what direction do you see as upward progression mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is it just financial or is it scope of um influence yeah yeah i think of the like pete Buttigieg's of the world where i don't i feel like you could be build more celebrity as well for national mm-hmm. runs yeah by being a face I mean, of the city yeah well i mean beto was a a state yeah. representative and you know, parlayed that to a lot of fame um, and now trying to run for governor, um, which those are also on this ballot, like the uh, governor primary, the um, attorney general primary. Those things are also all on this ballot, um, which if you want to vote against uh, Greg Abbott multiple times, Voting in the Republican primary is the way to do that. Although I don't know if the other options are that great. <laughs> but that's an interesting, like. But that's where I'm trying does to get. It, does Beto have a better shot yes, against, Don, against Don Huffines than. Yes. Probably. But then if it doesn't work out and we're stuck with Don Huffines <laughs> as our governor who wants to eliminate property taxes, which is like the only way that Texas funds government. Like we might be in for a, a rough go at it. There. But is it, is it as bad as the guy who, you know, wants to eliminate abortions and put up walls? And I mean, I mean, they're, I mean, yeah, you're, picking, I mean you're poison. I mean, yeah. It's all poison. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't realize Beto is also having competition, supposedly. I saw in this, there's like three, two or three other people running for Democratic governor. I yeah. Mean, I don't know who they are, and I don't know if there's some like people who... Cause I, I think that's kind of indicative of um, what the competition yeah. is. Um, Did you see AOC was in San Antonio? Yeah. That was kind of cool. That was cool. Um, but a lot of these races, especially when we're looking down at the judgeship, um, like it's only Republicans running. And I, I think that that's really indicative of how thin the bench for the Democratic Party is in Texas and kind of gives a a lens into like what the National Democratic Party thinks of Texas, which is that it's not a winnable state in like the near future. Like it's invested a ton in Georgia. It's investing in Virginia, North Carolina, these like uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, like these actual swing States and Texas. It's like, we're not developing people to provide any sort of competition to all of these Republican incumbents. Um, Man, Georgia's going to be crazy again. Oh yeah. It's going to be wild. Especially with Stacey Abrams yeah. running to yeah yeah and, and after got, and after what Warnock. happened last time where there's you know controversy around yeah if that election was stolen from Stacey Abrams yeah it feels like a Mayweather Pacquiao fight yeah. it, feels really, it feels like a, the the rematch we always wanted Canelo yeah. against Mayweather yeah. 
All right, so um, cool. Well, let's go ahead and move in wins and losses and uh, continue on a great episode. Shout out to everybody who's still there on the 817 pod. Yeah, I'll start. Um, this weekend was the one-year anniversary of that massive car pileup on 35 South on the uh, toll road. Um, February 11th last year, six people died and Fort Worth proclaimed it Fort Worth First Responders Day and installed two park benches at Riverside Park. And I'm just like, you know what we could do? We could actually hold the people accountable that were responsible for not having these roads prepped the way that they needed to be and not building and designing in a way that makes them safe. But no, we're just going to install a couple park benches and say, yeah, like, we hope you feel honored by this. Like, it's, and that's the trend that we have obviously moved towards, like, you know, the U.S. is the the home, the mecca of school shootings and gun violence. And we just say, ah, like, that was sad. We hope you'll get over, you know, the trauma or losing a family member or losing a classmate. Um, here's a here's a little plaque. But we don't do things to actually hold people accountable and make meaningful change. And this just kind of feels like a thing that was quickly brushed under the rug, especially because the power grid went down, you know, within a couple of days of this. Um, and so it one made me really sad reflecting on what happened and just what a, what an insane and tragic thing that it was. And then, um, that led into some frustration about how we act like we're really honoring these people by installing a couple park benches and thanking our firefighters and cops for getting out there. Yeah. That was a crazy time. Crazy, crazy time. Uh, well, my lost, um, you know, my loss is kind of much more lighter, uh, but um, not as important as what Jimmy just eloquently shared. And it's basically um, Fort Worth. It's about Fort Worth Recycling Company is partnering with a zoo to create zoo poo, which allows you to purchase poop for fertilization. Um, and this poop is from herbivores in the zoo, like elephants, gorillas, orangutans. And you can now buy zoo poo to run your soil. So I thought this was like a, you know, a cool story and really cool. Um, but here is the problem, right? Here's the L. And, and I had to really dig for an L today. Uh, I had like a lot more wins. But the um, they're partnering with Dallas Zoo. Dallas Zoo, the Fort Worth entrepreneur has to go to Dallas to innovate. This is a classic entrepreneurial story in Fort Worth. If you want to innovate, you got to go to Dallas. You got to partner with Dallas because Fort Worth isn't the place that does things first. So shout out to this uh, Silver Creek uh, business for making that happen. I just saw, hey, another entrepreneur having to go to Dallas to grow their business. It is a bummer. And uh, so I'll add that we recently joined the like Fort Worth composting pilot program. Ooh. Um, 
And it's been great for us so far. If you're interested, go to just like search Fort Worth composting pilot program um, and you can be part of it. Uh, But I think it's a big, big win that we're investing in cleaner ways of disposal and better ways of disposal. Uh, But I, I agree with you. Like I'm, I'm sure that baby Brazos is <laughs> churning out a, a good bit of zoo poo that, that could be used as well instead of yeah. having to go to Dallas for it. My win is artist Cedric Huckabee's new museum aims to bring art to Fort Worth's Polytechnic Heights. Uh, the former painting instructor to George W. Bush uh, is a painter, sculptor, and social engagement artist, and he has bought his grandmother big mama's 120 year old fort worth house and is turning it into a collaborative multi-purpose art space uh each of the six rooms in the house are um in varying states of reinvention um but they're preparing for the february opening of kinfolk house uh in polytechnic heights neighborhood um I I loved his comparison to Magic School Bus. Like, School Bus comes to kids, and it would do whatever it needed to do to get them to the place of learning. It could shrink, go inside somebody's body, fly into space. That's how he thinks about this space, doing whatever it needs to get kids to a place of learning about art. Um, and so this is an exciting thing for our neck of the woods over here. Um, I'm excited to get to go check this out in some capacity um when is it open they're open uh it didn't have a firm date it just said preparing for the february opening Ooh, okay and it's february yep (laughs) awesome well um my win is something that we would have probably addressed if i was here last week um my win is an, an easy one um opal lee up for the nobel peace prize Members of Congress from across the country made their voices heard for Opal Lee, the grandmother of Juneteenth. Uh, how cool would this be? I think that would be epic if Opal Lee won the Nobel Peace Prize. That would be just crazy. A lady from South Fort Worth, South Side Fort Worth, historic South Side, making things happen. Opal Lee has made is like the LeBron James of equity for Fort Worth. Like if we did not have her. She is hiding so much of our like racial flaws by being so great. She's like literally just pitting us on the map in so many good ways. And if we didn't have her, it's just crazy. I think it's all like there's a flip side to that though. People who continue to vote against and work against equity can tout like, oh, look at what Opal's doing in Fort Worth. We're doing so great in all of these things when we're really lagging in a lot of areas or continuing to vote and invest in ways that are not in the interest of equity. So like, yes, but also like we can't, it's the putting two park benches instead of fixing our problems. Like we, we can't just let leaders use that as a poster why, to hide all the holes and cracks. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're 100% correct. But I don't need to end this on a negative <laughs> note. Like, 
Opal, like a Fort Worth. It just be person fire is for being, her flowers. Yeah, a she Fort Worth person is being nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize, and yeah. that's an insanely cool win. Yeah, but you're right. Like she, like I said, she's like LeBron James of equity. Like she, yeah, like we're the Cavaliers, and you know we we, we got okay. Kyle Korver. Yeah, yeah. I'm even talking like. Pre like rookie year LeBron James when he had like Gauskis <laughs> Zidrunis, <laughs> yeah. so it's like I'm talking like literally carrying the Fort Worth team, yeah, um, and making us look a lot more responsible than we are. Um, but there's also other cool things happening. I mean, there's there the, is a lot yeah, of like the, we the, just highlighted a, a cool museum. Yeah. We've got all the development in Stop Six and uh, the Fort Worth uh, Science History Museums having the Green Book. Uh uh-huh. like exhibit now that looks really cool about how the, the green book that African Americans used during the Jim Crow to navigate the country. I think about that as a today as a mobile app. You know, like what if the green book was a digital app? Yeah. That, like, Honestly, like are might- we are we that far from people needing that? Maybe that's too pessimistic <laughs> of a thought to throw out at the end of the show. but no yeah you know i think uh yeah we have a lot of good stuff happening in fort worth um as well but it just it would be foolish for us to not mention opalie's um nobel peace prize run i don't know who she's going up against probably people who like pit a pig heart and some old man that now (laughs) (laughs) stiff competition (laughs) uh but let's do it Thanks everyone for tuning in. We've we've got a big announcement next weekend about something we'll be uh, we're going to be a part of in March. Um, so keep your keep your ears peeled for that. But thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. Double tap, now they control your life, control your life.